Welcome everyone to episode 30 of the Racing Line podcast. Uh, we're a little lighter than usual tonight with Anthony unable to make it and Michael living La Vida Loca in Brazil like Ricky Martin. Um, tonight we'll be discussing the recent Australian Grand Prix and I'm joined by Joey. Mate, how are you? Good, mate. Good. I think you, I'm supposed to say it, Brazil. Brazil, um, yeah. You know, um, let's do your best Vin Diesel. Um, welcome to Brazil. <laughs> Family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how was your trip, my man? You just yeah, it was, back? it was really good. Um, yeah. I, I think with how popular Formula One's becoming, I think uh, general admission is no longer an option. Um, yeah. It's just, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. But there was so much happening. Like they had so many different things on. It was actually an awesome event. But um, yeah, I think definitely grandstands the way to go next time. You experience the what it feels like on the ground. Now yep. you can sort of live the um, high roller life a bit next time, maybe. <laughs> Mate, I've, uh, I've got a few back issues from sitting on that bloody ground for that long. I can tell you that much. <laughs> how'd you how you find the event from watching it on TV? Um, to be honest, I thought it was really good. Hmm. I watched. I pretty much watched. Well, I would say I watched sixty percent of the whole broadcast over the weekend. Yep. And I thought that the support categories um, really added to the show this time. I mean, not, not that it's been bad, mm. but I think this time it was particularly good. Uh, the S5000s were, it was good to see another open wheel category sort mm. of on the track, which, um, and our friend of the show, Joe Mawson, got a few dubs, which was always nice to see. He was on fire, um, mate. And I think that the race itself didn't really let down, um, except for maybe one fella who just checked out from the lights. But other than that, I think it was a, mm. uh, a great show. Yeah. So uh, what did you think of the race, mate? Um, I thought, other than Leclerc checking out, that it was a pretty <laughs> entertaining race. Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't believe he was gapping half a second a lap. But it was then, ridiculous. It, it really was, um, I, was, I would have been interested to see what science could have done if he stayed on, to be honest, mm -hmm. because like we saw that it was the Ferrari, or his Ferrari was top dog and then it was the, um, the Red Bulls and the Mercedes. But I would have liked to see if, if science had finished in second or if he had stayed on, it would have really been, I think, a, um, a bigger signal of intent mm. for the team. And I do think that they were, they've sort of, even though Red Bull got second, they probably dodged the bullet that Science didn't finish because another, another engine failure is not what they want. Uh, what is it? Three races into the season. Yeah. Three failures in three races. Mate, their race pace, I don't know what it looked like on TV, but, um, and I don't know what the gap was before the first safety car, but it felt like it was at least 10 seconds between Charles and Max. It was huge. Like the, I don't think it, it was 10 seconds, but it was, it was, it was significant. And, and I don't even know if he was, if he was um, sort of race managing either. That's the other mm. thing. Like on, on track, because I was down the back straight, um, the, the new straight that they've taken yeah. all the, it honestly felt like I was standing there counting and I was getting to 10 on my fingers before I saw Max come past me. And obviously it's yeah. different. The timing's different, but it just, the pace difference between the two cars in race pace was yeah. was ridiculous. I, I thought. I, I think that we have to, sort of, I I do think you're definitely right. I think mm. that the 
there was no there was no real chance that Red Bull had the pace to win that race, except through some sort of strategy master stroke with a late um what is it uh safety car and then mm-hmm. at some bold move um what was interesting was now that you say that is it wasn't as apparent that the red bull was a much slower than the ferrari than it was that the mclaren then the mercedes was so much slower than the red bull because we never actually saw a red bull get mm-hmm. like sort of overtaken by a ferrari but there was mm-hmm. one there was one part when Sergio Perez overtook Hamilton down that new back straight and i thought he had drs because he's he zipped straight past and it was it was an outside move and i thought there's no way he's going to pull this up and he did and um mm-hmm. i think that was really telling for the for the race as well one thing i um was interested to hear after the race was norris said um, and this is a different team, but he said, hmm. this car is the same car we've brought to all three um, races, exact same car, and we were terrible in Bahrain, or was it Abu Dhabi? And then we were um, not too bad last week, and then we've got a fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth this week. Um, and he said, that's just the characteristics of the car on each track. So I'm interested to see how true that is for every team and now that we're going back to Europe um, and if we're getting a few more updates, how this is going to progress going forward. But um, yeah. on in terms of straight out of the box, there's no doubt that that Ferrari has got legs on everyone under yeah, the right situations. 100%. And I feel that even Carlos, when he dropped back to, I think it was 14th off the start, he would have made his way through the field quite easily um, with the with the pace of that car. He didn't look comfortable during quali, but I think we've we've heard afterward the you know he had the steering wheel issues. He had there were some other other issues with the car. So for him to still make Q three, um, I think was still a really good performance by him. Um, the other thing I did notice on track, the Ferrari and the Merc, the amount of porpoising down that back straight, yeah. them two were so much worse than all the other cars on track. And the yeah. fact that the Ferrari is still the quickest, yeah. It's actually well, scary once they get on top of that. Well, I think, well, this has been the worst porpoising Ferrari's had all year. Mm. And um, they actually uh, sort of mentioned that at the start of the week and they said, we're going to have a lot of porpoising on this track, but it's still going to make our car um, optimal for this track. So we're going to sacrifice the bouncing um, to extract the um, absolute maximum we can out of this car. Mm. So I, I suppose all the teams and drivers are aware of it. And I mean, this is F1. They're not going to sacrifice performance for the car looking a bit bumpy mm. or the driver getting a bit dizzy, I suppose. But yeah, that, that was one thing I was surprised that um, they mentioned out of the gate that that was going to be a factor and they were aware of it and they were going to go ahead with it anyway. Yep. But yeah, it was um, definitely recognisable. What did you think of the whole... Um the issues during qualifying with the two Canadians. <laughs> well, that's one thing. I didn't watch the qualifying live. And when you sent yep. that message into the chat, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> I picked up on, on your, your Canadians in plural. Oh. Um, honestly, I think it was just unfortunate um, misunderstanding. I mean, when you watch it back, uh, 
Latifi sort of lets Stroll through. Mm. And then I think Stroll doesn't realise that Latifi wants to get a move on after that. And I don't, I don't know if he was moving to the, what is it, that's the inside there, to let the, let the um, Sauber past or what, but um, it, it definitely looked ugly. Mm. And, um, I mean, it's weird because it, it ruined um, Albon's second flyer, which would probably would have put him into Q2, but, I mean, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But, yeah, it was, a, it was I had a big laugh about it, and I think <laughs> it was not the best day for Canadian motorsport, really. No. What did you think of it? Uh, um, look. We have different I, views on, on our Canadian friends. I think, um, yes, segueing a little bit, I'm going to go, let's talk about some of the teams. And and our two Canadians are at the back of the pack at the moment. Um, looking at Williams, I feel that Albon is already making Latifi look second rate. And we know, we saw that with George. And yeah. we, know how, we know how good George is. And I guess we all thought he was that much better because he had extra time in the car. It is George Russell. Um, and Latifi would pick it up this year and go a little bit further. But I feel that Albon's jumped into that car and he's just on top of it straight away and he's outperforming the car and he's outperforming Latifi. He's 57 laps on one, on one set of hard tyres. was a bold strategy, but unbelievable. The fact that he was keeping that Alpine behind him and that Alpine had some serious pace this weekend. Yeah. I, um, I listened to his um, uh, post-race uh, sort of interviews and he was saying that that Williams, uh, the best ties for the hards because it preserves them really well. Mm-hmm. And it was a bold strategy. And I think they were aware of the strategy that they're going to wait until the latest they possibly can to pit. And their strategy was to wait for a safety car, which never came. Mm. But there came to a point, I think they knew that they had the gap to at least get a point. So they thought there's no point bringing me now. Let's just keep pushing. It was weeks. He actually had the pace on those those used tyres to um, even sort of keep a gap to Ocon. And I think Ocon was mm. having some overheating issues as well, which come into play and probably would have helped the situation. Mm. But um, in terms of the two Williams drivers, I had no um, reservations about Albon being better than Latifi. I mean, I remember, was it, when they were teammates in F2 together mm-hmm. for, um, for, for dams racing. And... Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't really that close between the two of them. And we know that Albon can f- perform at a level similar to George and Lando and, hmm. um, and what's wow. his name? Charles. Yeah. So the only thing I wanted to know was, would he come in and would he come back, like come to it straight away? And I think he sh- he's shown that. I think I was more disappointed in Latifi though, because he didn't, um, not that he, he didn't, Here's another thing that I was thinking about. These, these, um, there have been a, there are a few drivers who haven't been to Melbourne before, and mm-hmm. I think Latifi's one of them. Um, um, Sonoda's one of them. Yeah. And um, and Wang Zhou uh, is one of them. Yeah. And they all seem to struggle a bit this weekend um, because it is, it's not a hard track, but it's it's um, the speed of. The speed of, I think, is something that sort of can take a driver by surprise. So, I'm, I'm, before I doom and gloom Latifi, I, like, I don't want to do it at this round in particular. I'd be happy to do it at a European round that he should know 
like really well, but I think the writing was on the wall. I really and do. I guess my issue with him is that's the issue though. He's seen the wall in the last four races or the yeah. last four weekends. Yeah, um, that's right. And I don't know if he's struggling. Like obviously we know what happened in Abu Dhabi with the Max and he caused the accident in the safety car. But it, all three weekends so far this year, he's had an incident. And with yeah. the budget cap, that's going to affect Williams big time. Well, I think Williams in, as a team itself isn't going to... Um, I mean, it depends how much money he's bringing in, but it's it's not a good look having your car in the wall and it's mm. not good for a team trying to push forward either. I mean, there is definitely going to be good drivers on the market next year. And uh, I mean, Oscar's one. If one of those Alpine drivers is dropped out for Oscar, there's another one. Mm. Um, so, so I do think that this is his final chance of going, all right, put it together or um, you're getting shipped out. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's had enough time to do it. And um, for a team that, like Williams doesn't need the money as much anymore with this new mm. investment firm. So if Albon's the one picking up points and showing the real potential of the car that he can't match, he might not even, uh, I wouldn't say he won't last the year, he will last the year. Mm. But I think this could be his final hurrah. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I will say as well about Stroll is that even though he had the, they had the incident, um, he put up a, a really valiant fight during the race. Um, and I was really impressed. I, I mentioned it in the chat and I don't know if you could see it, but there was a, a nice length of, of, um, of race where he was on older, harder tires and he was putting, he was, uh, I can't remember who was trying to overtake him. But he was really, um, he really made it difficult for maybe 10 laps. Probably K Mag or something. I think it was, um, it wasn't K Mag because he was, he would have, he would have, he would have been about, uh, he was 10th at this stage. Uh, so it might have been, um, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I'm not going to yeah. make it up. But I was, I was relatively impressed with, with that, um, bit of fighting considering that. Old um old Sebastian didn't even really hmm. make it through much of the race because really that team needs to be finishing and getting some points. Yeah, and and I guess that was my next question with Aston, a team that is talking about becoming a race winning outfit. They don't look anywhere close to what they were even as Racing Point or Force India, and well, with all the, the same team anymore. With all the investment, it just seems like it's a poor culture it seems like everyone's just pointing fingers at each other you know otmar's left you know they've lost some high high quality personnel in the last few years and they just they don't seem to be making any progress i just wanted to know what you thought about that um they've been in the news quite recently or quite consistently for the last maybe three weeks Hmm. um i don't know who came out but someone from the team came out and said someone who used to be in the team came out and said that um Lawrence Stroll has taken a, a much more of a sort of team leader kind of role in the team, which is ridiculous because he knows nothing about running a Formula One team. No. They have appointed Mike Crack as team principal. Best name uh, in Formula One. Best name. Um, he might be with um, our brother Michael in Brazil at the moment. Who knows? <laughs> um, so they've appointed Mike Crack as team principal, who was um, sort of the leader of the um 
BMW DTM sort of project for the for the end of that life cycle, which was probably the most the, the least successful of the three brands mm-hmm. uh, in DTM. And so there's there's that aspect. They've got a leader who's new, who hasn't really come from a lot of success. Where like you look in like McLaren with Seidel mm-hmm. comes from um, all success with Porsche. Uh, they've got Lance, uh, Lawrence Stroll, who's sort of leading the team, but doesn't n- really know how to run a Formula One team. And I think that's one thing that drives to survive last. He sort of highlighted as well how um, how sort of unashamed and abashed he is. And I don't know if that's really helping the team progress. Um, and I think that this could be a, a team that, how long is it going to survive if it's, if it's getting mediocre results and he's run badly? I mean, no one wants to put money into a support and not see success, let alone the amounts of money that Formula One requires. Yeah, and, and how long Stroll going to do that just to get his son a seat? Do you know what I mean? Like, how long is he going to support that? Well, here's the thing. I think, I don't think Stroll needs his dad to find him a seat. I don't think his, his future is in Formula One, but I definitely don't think that he couldn't cut it up in a lot of the a lot of other championships in the world um, and I think he has enough talent to to do well in a lot of other championships um, but yeah I mean buying it if he's buying a team just to keep his son in Formula One and then it's going to yeah. end up dragging Aston Martin's name through the mud which, which he, he owns, also anyway. owns as well yeah. so I mean it's it's not pretty but it's early days yeah. Let's just put it that way. But it has definitely not started rosy this year. We had so much excitement mm. um, for that project after how they finished last year. The um, the other thing I'll, with Aston, I guess, that I'm a bit concerned about is I know Seb's been absent for the first two races, but Seb does not look like he's going to be competitive this year at all. And well, it's sad to say, but... He's been on a slow decline over the last few years. Seb's been on a decline since he, since he's probably second last year at Ferrari. Mm. And a lot of people don't want to admit it because he's a four-time world champion. But it's evident, and it's evident in a way that, like, you look at someone like Alonso, mm. who, even though he wasn't having the best of times with different teams, you always knew that he was a quality there, and he was bringing the best out of the car yep and when you look at um seb there's no way he's bringing the best out of the car because he's probably barely beating his teammate in most of the results or qualifyings and stuff like that mm. and, and we're going to hold if we're going to talk about how proficient lance stroll is yeah. i mean if you're if you're not too far away from the four-time world champion you're going to think, oh, I must be doing a pretty good job. And the team will be thinking, oh, he must be doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And you look, and, and we'll segue that to Alpine. You look at that two-time world champion in that garage, and he was going to put that car on pole if he didn't crash. Yeah. That car was on pole or one-tenth away from pole. Yeah. And that car should have no chance of getting on pole. Well, and well, the guy is a machine. I definitely think... He's a machine, and I definitely think uh, even if the, it's arguable, if we say he doesn't deserve to be on pole because you can de- mm. you can sort of detune it to suit your race, but you can put it in qualifying spec, and you can sort of get a bit more out of it. But a hundred percent, 
that um, if you look at Vettel and Alonso as what they're bringing to a team, you, you see the, the fortunes of Alpine Renault rising and the mm-hmm. fortunes of um, Aston Martin. Like, Stroll couldn't even get close to Perez when Perez was at um, yeah. racing point racing at the point. time. You know, and I don't like slamming Seb, but I just I do think his his time has come like to leave, and I do think a lot of people look at him with sort of rose tinted glasses because of all the sort of extracurricular mm. stuff he gets involved with, like women, the women in motorsport stuff and picking up rubbish at the track and riding his push bike to the track and all this kind of extra extra stuff. Yeah, but in terms of what he's doing on the track. There's no doubt it's not enough for a driver of his caliber or what what his what was his caliber. And look, I think he, I was thinking about this on over the weekend because Oscar was at the Grand Prix and um he was on the parade lap before the race. And I'm thinking, if you were Alpine, you've got Ocon tied down for another two or three years. You've got still one of the best drivers on the grid in your other car. Would it not make sense to do a Red Bull to do what Red Bull did with Albon? And loan him to a team like Aston, where if they get rid of Vettel at the end of this year, would it not make sense to put Oscar in a car like that? Because why would you get rid of Alonso at this point? Yeah, but the thing I think that they have to think about as well is are they putting him in a worse car? In a good, in a good not a worse car, in a good position, like in terms mm-hmm. of developmentally. If he's going to a team that is going to be forced to devote, we don't know, but who knows? What, what Papa Stroll says, you have to, um, if there's two young drivers, you, you're going to push my son more than this mm. loanee. I mean, I think there'll be enough teams on the grid who'll be happy to take Piastri's loan services. Look at Williams themselves. I think they'd be happy to take him. Um, so, I mean, that would be an interesting proposition. Mm. But listening to Piastri this weekend on the, on the broadcast, he is got a wisdom well beyond his years he he's seems ready to mate be, seems to be ready he seems to be um what's the word not content but he, he knows how to play the game yep. so i mean who knows like honestly who knows i'd be happy if um i'm not i'm not going to make up anything to be honest but i think <laughs> there's enough there's enough places for him to go as a loanee where people would be happy to take him yeah and i definitely think williams is another option with Latifi, imagine um, Albon and Oscar. That's a that's a pretty strong t- driver lineup for Williams. It would be a really good. It would be a very good, um, yeah, a very good lineup. And we are looking at a team like Haas, who have performed really well in the first two races. Um, I think it was from what what hearing what the drivers are saying across the paddock, cars were either really suited to this track in Melbourne or not as suited to this track. And it seems like Haas was one of the cars that. Didn't perform, which is I was expecting a repeat of what was it 2018 when they put the car in the side, the, both cars inside the top 10 with um, yeah. Grosjean and Magnussen. So yeah. it's really surprising, and I hope it's not a desert-specific car, if that makes sense. I, I honestly believe it could be just a reverse of what McLaren was saying with yeah. this car just doesn't suit this track, but it suits here. Hmm. I mean, no team really, none of the midfield teams really have had the ability to bring major upgrades yet mm. and i think these three first races are pretty much tests for these teams and mm-hmm. they're going to see what um circumstances dictate the performance and the 
feeling of the car. And I think once we get back to Europe, we're going to see updates that suit, or not suit, that, that sort of are really targeting what they've found out these first mm. three bases. And I don't think we're going to really see the, the true potential of any of the cars until probably halfway through the season. Yeah. But the thing is, this year, this year there's, there could be so many potential midfield cars that what you accrue at the start of the year might so not vital. even be enough as well, though, because you can find yourself out of the points so quickly. So it's going to be really interesting with how this all works. Yeah, oh, 100%. And I think um, from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of teams that are going to bring updates, minor like updates to Imola. So Yeah, that's right. Which, Next race. which is good to see. Now, mate, the support um, for Daniel in in Melbourne was crazy. I don't know if you've seen the videos that McLaren have posted up over the last couple of days. The you know the chanting on the trams throughout Melbourne. Um, I put a video up on our socials about um that you know during the parade lap, everyone was yeah, losing their, that, yeah. losing their shit. Um, what did you think of Daniel's performance this weekend up against Lando, considering um you know he has had a bit a bit less time in the car. Um. I thought it was they were pretty close the whole race to be honest. Mm. I mean, what what split them was a piece of paper, and 100%. we and we and we know that he was told not to, like told nicely not to pass him at the end of the race when Lando was struggling. Yeah. Um, I mean, as bad as this sounds, McLaren needed those points, mm-hmm. and I don't think I I do think in that situation in that situation, you as a you as a team manager has to implement team orders. I agree. Um, agree. This is not a time, I think, for McLaren to be um, sort of letting their drivers fight for who's best. This is a time for McLaren to be working out the problems of this car, Mm. maximising the points on a weekend when a Ferrari and a Red Red Bull doesn't finish and, um, you know, picking themselves up and trying to get some updates onto this thing. This is is testing for them. This This is the hard yards. And I mean, as much as I'm, I was happy with Ricardo's performance and, and Lando's performance, they were nothing special and nothing, not nothing special. They, would, they did what they had to do. Mm. They were processional and they got the points. So as much as I wanted, I would love to see Daniel on the podium in Australia and finishing above Lando, my, um, what's the word? If I, th- if I try and put myself in the team's perspective, uh, that is exactly what needed to happen yeah I mean, and they're, they're in no position to let their drivers play silly buggers and no. potentially um have a cat- catastrophe of a good points haul yeah I, I guess where i'm coming from on being at the track you could tell that daniel had a little bit more pace in that car in the first stint yeah um he was right up lando's backside and it took lando i think we mentioned it in the chat i think maybe anthony mentioned it it took lando 10 laps to over, to overtake k mag on old tires um but daniel was right there the whole time and you could kind of tell that he wanted to get past but you know i don't know if there were team orders over the radio or whatever um and in the second stint and it's the first time i've been to a formula 1 grand prix um i could tell when daniel started backing off and he was kind of in preservation mode. I think that the gap must have opened up to a second and a half to two seconds or whatever throughout most of the second stint yeah. um, when they went onto the hard tires. But you could tell that he was not pushing it. And you can tell by where the gear changes are, where the 
where the downshifts are like it's it's amazing like i loved it but i i think that bodes well and if you remember his second year at renault i think it wasn't until spa where that switch just flicked and he just took off in that car so i'm hoping something similar happens in this mclaren but again was their performance tra- track specific we don't know yet i mean mclaren was probably the first team oh not first team the first team i was aware of in my following formula one like i, mm. I remember from many years ago when it was Coulthard and hacken and they had a rule uh, mm. car that car that comes out first in the first corner is going to finish first in the race unless something happens yeah um and this was the kind of race where that was the that was the play because yep. Daniel finishing fifth and Norris finishing sixth or vice versa changed right. nothing for changed nothing no. for the team. No. There was no podium for one of the drivers. It was just points for the team. Yeah. Um, and but, I think that this is Daniel needs to um, perform better in qualifying. Hundred percent to get that um, preference during a race. Get your car in the best position to be leading in the race and mm. you'll get the preferential treatment. Yeah, I, I agreed. You know, he, he didn't improve on his time um, on the second lap in Q3. But I think just for me, I guess, looking forward, it was promising to see that he had pace in the car during the race. It's and, good to see he, he pretty much matched Lando perfectly. Like, yep. they both extracted exactly what, exactly the same performance from that car. Yeah, and that I'm hoping that bodes well for the rest of the season. I guess I the other... So. The other thing I quickly wanted to touch on before we move on to supercars, obviously we know Ferrari, how strong they were. We've already touched on that. In the, um, but the Mercedes. I think and- Mercedes is in a bit of limbo, to be honest. Um, I mean, they were in limbo just like McLaren was in limbo just behind them. Um, we know that uh, Lewis wasn't happy during the race. Well, I don't know if you heard it, but he was really... And put me in this bad position or something. Yeah, and I think that could just be down to like the emotions at the time because after yeah. the race he seemed to be pretty um not forgiving, but he was understanding of the predicament the mm. team is in. Um, same thing with Lewis, like um George got himself into that position. What's and the difference? It was it was fortuitous with how the safety cards fall, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in, same thing for them. They were gonna come third and fourth that race, doesn't matter what order it was. And as a team, they're just trying to maximize their points. And some days it's going to fall one way and some days it's going to fall the other. And I think George said it best after the race. He said, like, we know we haven't got the car to win races at the moment, but we have to maximize the points we can get now so that when we have the car to challenge for wins, and they honestly believe that, and I believe that's coming as well, because this is Mercedes. When that car comes, the this is what's insane. They have got both those drivers have more points than Max. Yeah, because of reliability issues. Yeah, but I'm saying like if 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 you just saw the races, mm. you would think no way, like yep. this has happened, like from the pace. And 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 he, George is second in the championship. And yeah, that um, that snuck up on us from nowhere, didn't it? Mate, I, 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 consistency um, can never can never be like understated. It's so underrated. Um, I mean, we've seen Checo hasn't finished a race. Max hasn't finished two, which is which is mental. Um, already cracks forming there too. He's he was pretty pissed off at the end of the race. Yeah, but I think there's always going to be cracks with Max. Like he's just a fiery <laughs> bloke. I mean, he's definitely not leaving Red Bull. No, but, not um, with the ten-year contract or whatever they gave him. Yeah, but um, 
I mean, I, 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 I expect them to chip away and capitalize on these things until they can fire on all cylinders. The one thing I'm afraid of for them is that just because Red Bull's struggling doesn't mean that the actual best car in the grid is struggling. Right. And um, old mate Leclerc has probably the biggest lead we've seen in a championship in a long time at this time of the season. He, he's on fire, mate. Can you imagine next week when they go, uh, next race when they go to Imola, if 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 he gets a, a victory there, how big that's going to be for the team and for the, oh, the Italian fans? I can't wait for that race. I love that track. Going to be mental. Oh, um, but yeah, I think this season's shaping up to be pretty good, mate. What do you think? I think it's it's definitely shown us fans exactly what we wanted to see from these cars, being able mm. to follow closely. We've got a new kid on the block which is always yep. exciting. I want to see how Red Bull and, and Mercedes and uh, sort of react to this challenge now coming into Europe. And I can't wait to just, I'm loving the midfield battle mm. because when there's a good midfield battle in Formula One, you can, you can forgive a few boring races yep. because the, the um, sort of the midfield strategy can, can, can make up a lot. And that's what the midfield really is there for. Yep. So, I mean, there's, not, there's nothing really to complain about, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be great. The cars, they're following each other. You know, they were slipstreaming down that back straight. They just looked amazing. Um, the speed of these things is crazy. But moving on to uh, the other event that we we had over the weekend, supercars, um, Van Gisbergen. That car was on rails all, all weekend. But yep. Chaz, Chaz had an awesome weekend as well. He came away with what two wins? Two wins, a fifth, and then. A- really bad race that he should have finished fourth. Yeah, because yeah, um, the last turn. Fuck, idiot. Was, <laughs> that was disappointing. Oh, That was disappointing. Um, it's all about the big picture though, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he's come away from that weekend losing points again to, to, to Van Cheeseburger. And mm. um, I mean, Chaz is a bit of a firecracker. We know that. And I love him for it because... We see, like we saw, two two wins, and they're two wins on a big stage in front of your um, other overseas owners. You know what I mean, and mm. and that's massive for the team. But in terms of the championship picture, like when you look at it now, get get those four, get that fourth place. You would have clawed back a few, maybe fifty points on on Van Gisbergen for the season, mm. and and instead you're now you still lost what fifteen points out to him. I do think, though, what we saw this weekend was it's going to be, I honestly believe it now, it's going to be a Chaz versus Van Gisbergen season, as in, like, Chaz will be his main rival throughout most of the races. Yeah. Um, uh, not Triple Eight. Dick Johnson looked pretty good, but they can't get out of their own way. And, yeah, they, str- they seem to struggle with their strategy in the race. First race, they that uh, we know that they ran way too much camber on the tires and yeah. and just blistered them. Both cars just blistered them by the end of the race. Um, what else happened? Oh, um, Will Davison was a bit unfortunate with his tussle with with Waters, but um, he even said himself like he had no pace in that car anymore. He was just trying to struggle home. Um, Seems like it's set up for quality more than more than race pace. Yeah, I, I think I think they went way too aggressive, and we know we we know that they're a team that has gone way too aggressive in the past, and um, 
that, that sort of bit them, but it was interesting that it bit both of them at the exact same time. Mm. Um, I think, having said that, I think that um, in terms of the team's championship, they're still looking pretty good to, to, to be the best of the rest, it looks like. What, what about the double, the double stack with De Pasquale? He didn't get out. It took him like an extra yeah, was, 30 or 40 seconds to get out of the I was, pits. I was trying to think about what, what, what happened to De Pasquale in one of those races. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of what happens when you, you have a safety car and you're running that close and, and you're both running the same strategy. Having said that, the, the, the thing is with those races, there was only one strategy to, to use. Mm, and, we, and, and, and we, we saw it burn people. Uh, in the first race, then they tried it in the second race and they tried it in the third. I'm like, dude, you have to get these softs off as quick as possible and run hards to the end because you're going to lose time otherwise. Yep. And um, I couldn't believe cars were going, oh, we've got no other choice. We have to try it so we can get to the front. I'm like, yeah, but there's going to be fucking safety cars. We know this. Like you're, you're, you're literally hampering, you're, you're hurting yourself. It was interesting though, seeing a few overcuts, which was cool. I mean, Chaz had a, a nice overcut in the last race. Um, and it was cool. They were using the two rattle guns, not the four again. So there was a bit of um, pit lane uh, jeopardy. jeopardy involved. Uh, what did you think about seeing them curbside again? Were they, oh, uh, they a are. good addition for, for, for the fans on the sidelines? 100%. Um, on the Saturday, I think race four or whatever it was, the one just race before three. quali. The one, the one just before quali, yeah. Um, the crowd was loving it. You know, for the first few races, everyone was just sitting down. Um, but for that one, everyone was up on their feet watching. And then the one on the Sunday, which has won, um, then yeah, the crowd was applauding on their, you know, that after the race, everyone was, yeah, people were loving it. And I think having Chaz win a race and it wasn't just SVG on those days where the crowd was big, I think it was good for the sport. Yep. Um, but that that livery of that on that walking shore, chef's kiss. <laughs> it is just I love, I love it. It's um yeah, it looked so good going around that track. Yeah, it but, it, it looks it looks mega. Yeah, it really it, does. Um, yeah, mate. They 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 use more of the track. They look. I think they look mean on that track. It was it was really good to see. You know, they're right up against the wall. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching them. Um, one thing I, 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 that I think that the organizers and supercars have done really well for this weekend was they made the races longer. And mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, I'm, I think the races used to be 12 laps there. Really? There was, there was no pit stops involved. It was just like a sprint. And, right. um, and giving them 20 laps was enough length to have, a, especially with those soft tires, mm -hmm. enough length to have some strategy involved a bit of time to sort of make your way through the field because it's yep. a long lap as well. There's enough places on that track to pass people. Um, and I really thought for like what it was being a support to a Formula One race that the weekend itself didn't feel gimmicky and no. like it felt like the points for the championship really were um, like hard earned and well-deserved. I mean, I want to throw a shout out actually uh, for... Um, Premier Racing and what's his name? Gary Jacobson. Jacobson. Gary Jacobson, mate. I mean, he I made some good saying, passes too. Mate, he finished top 10 three races, I think it was. Yep. Um, and I remember saying at the start of the year, um, like, I hope that as a team, they can, like, 
they have some success mm. because they're a new team. They're coming in really late in the in the game or early in the year, mm. and um, uh, weekends like that help morale in te- in in smaller teams massively. Massively, it's, it's other than Bathurst. It's probably the most watched supercars event. Do you think? Um, I don't know in Australia if it's the most. It's definitely probably the. Um, I don't think it's the most watched because I think it's still behind the Foxtel paywall. But um, in terms of crowd attendance, in terms of like yeah, fans being able to see um, what supercars are, like that is an event that probably has more has more people there than a Bathurst One Thousand, and um, probably has a bit has a few more international people there as well, mm. and people who probably have no interest in supercars. So it's it's yeah. it's. It, it's really important to have supercars at the biggest um, race other than Bathurst in the year. Um, I was at the and, track with one of my mates and he, yeah. I, I said to him, supercars are up next. I'm pumped. And he yeah. said, oh, they're shit. I don't want to watch them. Yeah. Five laps in, he looks at me and goes, these are sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think being there, I think they're going to get a bigger fan base because the, the, the feeling of those cars going past is totally different to just watching it on TV. I mean, supercars is probably the, the best kept secret in Australian motorsport for casual fans. I mean, probably you can attest to that more than me 100%. Um, with, with your recent experience. Mm. Um, I mean, the more people, more people that see supercar racing and how, how good it is, how close it is, but also how high level it is, mm. um, can, uh, the more they can, we can grow the sport in terms of getting it or they can sort of expand their horizons for people to see it. It's just better for the sport. And we were we were talking to when we spoke to Golding last week about how much money is needed to run the teams. Exposure is is, is what's needed more than anything. Yep. Um, so I mean, good on them for really putting on probably the best show of the weekend in terms of passing of um of excitement. I mean, other than the GP, I would say. It should have been the next best things, and it really was. Yep, agreed. Um, and I, I hope they keep. I hope they don't mess with this formula and, and decide to do something gimmicky in the future because this is a winning formula, and we want to see this again. Yeah, and, and um, mate, I'll be honest. I'm, you know, I, I watched it when I was a kid. I've gone off it, and just in the last year, I started watching it again. I want to go to more races. I want to go up to the Gold Coast. I want to. I want to watch. I want to go to Newcastle. Like I just want to keep watching yeah. more and more of it. So. Keep it up, mate. They're, they're onto something. They just need to capitalize. They out of their own way. Yeah. You no, know, don't overthink it. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, that's right. What that's do you right. think of the S5000s, mate? Because they looked awesome on the TV, and I was um, watching the race on. Was it, they have a race on Friday afternoon, and I was talking to one of the guys at work while it was on, and I said, "I said, look at these things." He goes, "What are these?" I said, "These are." our Australian own open wheelers. And um, he was fascinated. So he goes, these things are mad. I was like, they're not mad. I said, these are awesome. Hmm. Um, and I was sort of talking to him about the characteristics of them and stuff. Now that we're experts with all the hard journalism we've been putting in over the last <laughs> couple of months. Um, I want to know what you thought of them trackside again, a bit closer probably this time. Hmm. And um, coming through the, the walls, like, what was the sensation from them? Did they did they live up to what we thought of them at Sydney Motorsport Park? Mate, I'll tell you. 
I didn't need earmuffs. Not that I had them, but I didn't need earmuffs for the Formula One. I didn't need them for the V8s, for these things. Yeah. Wow. The noise coming off them. Um, there were people around putting earmuffs on just for that race. Yeah. Um, they are so loud. Joey Mawson, you can tell he's a cut above everyone else in that field. Yeah. And I don't know. the car. I, I can't say for 100%. Are all the cars exactly the same? In terms of componentry, I think they are. Yeah. But there would definitely be better teams than worse teams that are setting them up. Yeah. So it'd be set up, but he, I think in the, one of the, the, one of the races I saw. Are, the two bigger teams are BRM and GRM. GRM. Yep. Um, but yeah, like they they seem to be the top dogs. And I, I was, I was talking to my mate who was there with me and I'm like, the best drivers in that field we've all had on the podcast. You know, we had yeah. we had Joey, Nathan Hearn, Aaron Cameron did really well. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Golding was was right up there as well the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, it, I think it was the racing did in that. Rand, is, did Randall race this weekend as well? Not in the S five thousands. No. He was. He got. He came in. Um, Cameron came in. That's right. Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he he did really well. Um, yeah. I think he Even, got a couple. Um, Alex Davidson came in. That's who I was thinking. Alex Davidson. Uh, so yeah. Alex Davidson is um Will Davidson's cousin. Yeah. Anthony Davidson's cousin. He's done some uh, IndyCar races in the in the um Indianapolis 500 and stuff like that. Yep. Um. So having him there as well, I think I think always lends some sort of levity to a series when you have a known commodity that people know can do the business. Um, and then you can see the talent in the series racing mm. against them. And yeah, our talent has raced these cars more. Mm. But um, someone of Anthony Davidson's sort of quality definitely shows how good these young drivers are. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a good measuring stick for even international fans who sort of know a bit about other stuff. Yeah. They can be like, oh, this guy's not a slob and these guys are still, you know, yeah. putting it to him. Yeah, even Aaron Cameron, who's we know is a TCR driver, yeah. he performed really well. And I know he did the Tasman series at the end of last year, I think it was, when they were at Sydney yeah. Municipal Park. Um, yeah. But yeah, he jumped in that car. It was like he was full-time in the S5000. So. And Hearn was in it. He hasn't yeah. been racing it um, consistently this year. Hearn so did really in, well too. They brought in everyone that they could to make that grid a little bit bigger. Yep, and um, it, it looked full enough to be a, a, mm. a good support race, and I really enjoyed watching them. Um, they're awesome. I mean, I think we're so spoiled for um good racing in Australia at the moment. I mean, every category we have, Porsche Carrera Cup. Oh my God! You know what? I was waiting <laughs> for you to tell me this because <laughs> me and Ant have been like on this like Porsche Carrera Cup sort of love affair for years. Yeah, and I, I at one stage I was like, oh, I should tell Harry to look out for the Porsche Carrera Cups, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to ask him. I'm just going to ask him when he comes back. Mm. And then before I even, um, I think it was the day that you met, put it in, you're like, dude, what are these Porsches? They're amazing. <laughs> I'm t- like, the grid is so big, they sound oh. awesome. Yeah, there isn't much downforce really on them except for the back wing. No. Um, I, I, I'm, I love being able to sort of see your expressions to stuff. Because it, yep. it reminds me of the first time I <laughs> saw them kind of cars or experienced them live for the first time. And it, um, 
it's good to see the energy that you bring to it mm. because it sort of reminds me of, yeah, these are actually special and you shouldn't take them for granted. Like, and you see them on TV or you see cars similar to that on TV and you just think, oh, yeah, cool. They're all the same, blah, blah, blah. But when you see them in person, it's it's a whole different thing. And I want to see more. Like, yeah. I, I want to go to more races. Like, this weekend was, yeah, I'm definitely going to the Grand Prix again next year. I think you've really got, um, you've really caught the everything bug at the moment, mate. Yeah, I think I have. Like, I was <laughs> Formula One, Formula One, Formula One. But now I'm like, I, I want to watch supercars. I want to watch S5. Like, I just want to watch it all. And I didn't even get a chance to watch the IndyCar this weekend, and that's that's my I holidays work. I, ha- I haven't watched it yet, to be honest. No, but so, um, there's so much good motorsport at the moment, right? Maybe we're spoiled for choice. Yeah, we, we haven't even touched on MotoGP yet, which is probably for the best. Yeah, um, wait, we'll wait for Michael on that one. Come back. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had the podcast last night with the Ellerys, which really was good, really good man, really like you, good conversation. Yeah, you guys did awesome. Um, they were um, so good with their time for us. And um, I listened back to it today because I don't really listen back to many of them. Yep. But I just wanted to listen back to it because the amount of insight that they shared just of like a family going racing was such a was such a cool sort of perspective and a cool story. Yep. Um, so, I mean, this has been a great week. It has. And um, I think we'll leave it there. What do you think? I think so. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, please remember, give us a give us a follow on the socials, rate the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever else you listen to. And um, yeah, keep supporting the pod. We're loving it. Thanks for not being a pussy-whipped slacker and um, yeah. <laughs> actually joining me tonight, mate. Oh, poor Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully we get uh, Michael back next week after his uh, Brazilian, uh, I don't know what it's it is, medical. holiday, sabbatical. Yep and um, get a bit of a monologue about the MotoGP. I think so. I think we have to wait for that. Probably going to be half an hour spiel. Yep. And I'm there for it. No worries, my man. All right, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers, mate. Yeah.